All right, hey guys, today we come to the book of Ephesians, uh, Ephesians chapter 1, and uh, I don't know how you guys did in Galatians, but come to Ephesians, we are coming to the Mount Everest of <laughs> the Bible. This is the highest peak of revelation in the entire Bible. Um, the themes we'll be touching on uh, ever so quickly, and the um, the experiences and the revelation that Paul is going to be opening up to us uh, they they touch on God's heart, what's in God's heart, God's macro will, what the universe is all about, what salvation is all about, what the church is all about, why we're here, why there's something rather than nothing. The the book of Ephesians is opening us, uh, opening up to us the heartbeat of God and calling us in. And we're going to see chapter after chapter that this book is <clears throat> showing us the church. Every chapter is on the church, the book, is, the subject of the book is the church, and we're going to see this in seven aspects, um, like a diamond with different facets. Each aspect of the church is going to gleam with light and revelation and potential experience. So we want to see the church in this cha- uh, in this book as the body of Christ, as the one new man, as the house of God, the household of God, the family of God, the kingdom of God and ultimately as the bride of Christ and a corporate warrior. So the church is multifaceted, and really the book of Ephesians becomes a litmus test to us uh, when we talk about church. What we're talking about is, at least it should be, what the book of Ephesians is talking about. And Ephesians is a litmus test to us, both in our understanding of the church and our experience of the church. So when Christians claim that we're the church, which of course we are, um, but we should ask ourselves, how much have I actually experienced church? It's not just about going to a place uh, of four walls. It is about a condition, a spiritual condition based on our experience of the revelation of church. So if we're not experiencing the church as the body of Christ, with all that implies, which it's too much to get into right now, then we're not experiencing church in one aspect. If we're not experiencing church as the bride of Christ, full of love and union and becoming like Christ uh, through the washing of the water and the word, then we're, we're not that much church. So the degree to which we are in reality, uh, the church, is based on the degree to which we experience the revelation of the church contained in the book of Ephesians. So this book is awesome. It's packed. And I hope you are uh, buckled up and ready to to get into it. So just a real quick overview of this book with uh, four words. <clears throat> we're, of course, we're looking at the church, but chapter one is a zoomed out universal view of the church. And that's what I'm going to get into today in just a second. But the word is universal. Chapter two is a historical look at what Christ has done through history with the Jews and the Gentiles to produce the church. So historical. Chapter three is personal. How does that universal revelation of the church through the historical working of Jesus Christ become personally experienced by us? Christ makes his home in our heart to produce the church in a personal way. So the word is personal, universal, historical, personal, and then chapters four through six are all going to be summed up in the word practical. How does the experience of the church based on the revelation of the church, how does it get lived out in practical relationships as practical as uh you know parents and children husbands and wives so 
Paul is going to um, impress us with the church from these kind of four uh, perspectives, the universal perspective, the historical perspective, the personal perspective, and the practical perspective. And in each one of these perspectives, um, different aspects and experiences of the church are just going to shine forth uh, for us. Okay, let's let's get into chapter one here in the next couple of minutes. Chapter one is really about two things. Number one, what the triune God has done to bless us to produce the body of Christ. And number two, uh, Paul's prayer that we would see it. So it's just real simple, uh, although it has complex depths. But the overview is real simple. It's about what God has done to produce the body of Christ. And number two, Paul's prayer that we see it. So let's look at these one at a time. First off, what has God done? Well, when you read this chapter, I hope you notice and pay attention to and don't just rush over these epic, big picture, you know, uh, money-making words that Paul is just dropping one after another, such as the good pleasure, God's good pleasure, his will, his purpose, his economy, his counsel. It's almost like Paul is just using as many big picture words that that indicate this is what God's doing to capture, capture our attention. So what is God doing? What is his purpose? What is his will? What makes him happy? What brings him good pleasure? What is his economy? Well, it is just what he has done as father, son, and spirit. And that is to produce the body of Christ. So this this chapter is very clearly structured with the three of the divine trinity all in full operation mode. Uh, And what they're doing is the father has blessed us in choosing us. And predestinating us. That's what the Father has done, and that is to make us holy and to make us his sons. What has the Son of God done? In verse 7, he has accomplished redemption for our forgiveness. Aren't you thankful that we have forgiveness? Praise God for that. Praise the Son of God for that. (laughs) And what has the Spirit done? He has sealed us, and he has pledged himself to us, given himself to us as a pledge, a foretaste for our present enjoyment in light of a lot more enjoyment and experience to come. So this is the operation of the divine trinity. All three of the triune God are fully engaged in in full operation to apply themselves and to operate uh, in their, you know, distinctive roles, but for one common purpose, and that is the body of Christ. And what's interesting is each one of these three mini sections in this first half of the chapter all end with the same phrase, to the praise of the glory of his grace. And what that means is all that the triune God has done in our lives and in history uh, is going to have a result. And that is there will be universal praise to the glory of his grace, which means glory means expression. So the universe will see a magnification of grace, an expression of grace. And grace is just what God does for us and in us for his purpose. So what God has done is going to be magnified, expressed, glorified, and that will result in praise, not just praise by us for God's work, but universal praise as they behold the you know glorious expression of all God's accomplishments. So there's a lot of juice there, but we don't have the time. So prayfully read and study <laughs> That because this is the highest peak of the divine revelation of the Bible, the triune God's operation to produce the body of Christ. And you see the body of Christ, the church at the last two verses, 
All this is to the church, verse 22, which is his body, the fullness of the one who fills all in all. So this is a pretty epic statement of the church. The church is God's Christ's body, the fullness, all that God is has filled the church. And now there's a corresponding fullness that expresses him. Okay. The second half of the chapter is very simple, but has a lot of profound implications. Verse 17 is key here. Verse 18, Paul says, he's praying for us. Paul is praying for us that we would know, that we would see all of this. And so you'll notice back in verse 9 and in verse 18, this similar phrase is used, making known and also that you may know. So Paul is praying a prayer for our seeing this revelation. What do we see of God's purpose? That's a great question to ask ourselves. What do I see? What What's my present understanding of what God's doing? Is it just making me a good person? Is it just taking me to a good place? Is it just trying to bless me with physical things? Well, that's not what this chapter says. So Paul prays we need to see it. And we need to enter into that prayer and pray, God, grant me a spirit of wisdom and revelation that I could fully know what your eternal purpose is. And knowing it, I could love it and love it. I could enter into it and experience it. Experiencing it, I could live it. So we need to pray, God, show me this vision of your eternal purpose based on all that you've done to produce the church as your body for your full expression in glory. So just breaking down the prayer real quick, uh, just in the last couple minutes here, last minute. The prayer is for revelation that we would know the hope of his calling, the glory of his inheritance, and the power toward us. So both the hope and the glory are really related to the future, what we will become that's the hope. And that hope is we will be his glorious God, God manifesting inheritance. But the third one is really how we experience it in this chapter. There is a power, a surpassingly great power toward us right now in this age that will overcome any sin, any frustration, any blockage, any obstacle, any willful, stubborn rebellion that we put up. God has a power that will break through that, that will overcome that. It's the power that raised Christ from the dead. And this verse says, it's operating towards us. And that power is the power that produces the church. It's the power of a, almost like an electric electric power plant transmitting, you know, megatons of wattage to light up the town, you know, make your kitchen appliances work, energize that that place so that everything works. And this power causes everything in God's salvation to be operative, real to us, and powerful in our experience so that we do uh, become the church in God's purpose. So guys, this is chapter one, the work of the trying God to produce the body of Christ, Paul's prayer for our revelation to see it. And then just one great application is, experiencing the power today to overcome any sort of obstacle in our being so that we would experience the body of Christ for God's glory. Praise the Lord for Ephesians. Hope you guys are ready to climb this mountain and really see God's purpose.